things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> Week four of the NFL season is pretty much over. But obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Well, what happened to Miami? What happened to Dallas? Or should I say New England? And I didn't even get to the NBA news or the fight that took place Saturday night. There's a whole bunch of stuff to get into. It's your boy, Stephen A., in the house. Hope you had a beautiful weekend. I know I did. Time to get to work. Let's roll. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airways of YouTube. As usual, I'm coming to you from our official studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. As always, I always take a moment to give props and love uh, to my subscribers, to people listening to the show and watching it and what have you. Really, really appreciate it. Our subscribers continue to grow and grow and grow every single day. Um, and, and please uh, continue to bring the love and I'll keep on bringing everything that I can. Please continue to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. And by the way, please make sure to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Um, as usual, when I'm not on the road, when I'm in my home studio, I have access to these phone lines. So you can now call into the show to speak to me specifically live and in real time. Just dial 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. I'll tweet you the best times to get onto the show as well. So make sure you Take advantage of that at every opportunity. Let's move on to the first topic of the day. I know it's football Monday. Uh, usually I would start off with football, but I need to get some NBA news out of the way uh, because breaking news over the last couple of hours or so, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers had their media day and Mr. James Harden was a no-show. Obviously, James Harden is hoping to be traded. He exercised his player option at $35.6 million this past June, but he did so with the hopes that he ultimately would be traded probably to the Clippers um, and was not able to have that happen. Um, ever since then, I'm just going to call it like I see it. I like James Harden a lot, but he's been acting like a damn child. I mean, enough's enough already. You go to China. And on camera, you call Daryl Morey, the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers, your former buddy, the guy that brought you to Houston from Oklahoma City in 2012, the guy that literally spoon fed you everything you wanted and needed and ultimately led to you being a three-time scoring champion, a one-time league MVP in 2018. Listen, Daryl Morey is not perfect. And I get all of that, James Harden, but come on, bro. Come on, man. You know, you're in a situation right now, you're on camera in China, calling him a liar, calling him by name. 
You know, you show up the other day someplace a week ago and you hold up a sign. Daryl Morey is a liar. You know, come on. You're not, Daryl Morey is not looking bad now. The more James Harden reveals his disgust, the more petulant he looks, the worse he looks. Now, according to ESPN's ultimate insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, my colleague at ESPN, because that is my day job, the Sixers and Clippers have talked recently, but there doesn't appear to be any traction on a trade. Uh, the Sixers do leave for Colorado later today for several days of training camp at Colorado State University. Harden's status at the moment is unknown. Here's one of the things that I want y'all to point to point out. Because it's very, very important to bring this up. Okay? According to the collective bargaining agreement, any player who, quote-unquote, withholds playing services for more than 30 days after the start of the last season covered by his contract could be deemed to have violated his contract and forbidden from entering free agency and signing with another team until the team he last played for, which in this case for Harden would be the Philadelphia 76ers, expressly agrees otherwise. So understand what that means. If James Harden, no matter how right he may be, because nobody is sitting here and acting like Daryl Morey didn't lie to him. I don't know. I haven't spoken to James Harden. So we don't know what the true story is. But chances are an executive line to a player is not beyond the pale. It's not beyond the realm of comprehension, okay? So let's just get that out the way right now. It's not beyond the realm of comprehension that an executive may have lied to a player. But even saying that, you can't possibly think you look good, James Harden, acting like this. You are looking foolish and more foolish by the hour. And by the way, wanting out of Philadelphia, well, uh, you wanted out of Houston. They didn't want to move you immediately. So what did you do? You came into camp out of shape. Looking like one of the clumps. And then you got moved. You wanted to go to Philly with Daryl Morey. That didn't happen. So you went to Brooklyn. And we know that what happened in Brooklyn wasn't your fault. You got injured. Matter of fact, if you weren't injured and Kyrie Irving didn't get hurt, I thought y'all would have won the title that year. Make no mistake about it. But you ultimately forced your way out of Brooklyn. You wanted out. After telling them you were willing to stay. And so now here we are. This is the third team. Why the hell you think Miami ain't that interested in you? You'd be a great fit in Miami, some would say. But why is that problematic? Because Pat Riley and them brothers ain't taking that chance. They're not going to have you sitting up there, smiling in your face, and then a month or two or a year later, whatever the case may be, you sitting up there trying to demand your way out of there. James Harden is not what he used to be but he's still an all-star caliber player. Led the league in assists last year. The brother can ball. And I'm not here to tell you he's a bad guy because he's not a bad guy. That's not what this is about. I'm not excoriating the character of James Harden one iota. If I did that, I'd do it to his face first. That's not what we're doing here. We're simply talking about the optics, how it looks. You can't be so fixated on calling a dude a liar that you're letting the world know, literally across the globe, letting the world know. Come back to the States, letting them know that. He's still your boss with the Philadelphia 76ers. You got a player option. You get paid $35.6 million. You want a long-term deal. He didn't offer you a long-term deal, so you want to be traded. 
couldn't make a trade happen. So you're saying, yo, I don't want to be a Philadelphia 76ers. Well, you didn't want to be a Houston Rocket. And you didn't want to be a Brooklyn Net. And when you act this way repeatedly, eventually you get to a point where cats ain't trying to take their chances on you. Now, James Harden has played in one NBA Finals. That was in 2011. 2012, when he was a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were the stars and James Harden was coming off the bench. That's when that was. Ever since then, he's been to a conference finals, but he hasn't won a conference finals and he hasn't been back to the NBA finals. Considering all the money you've gotten paid, considering how Paths have been laid out for you. Listen, Daryl Morey is no saint. I'm not trying to come across like that, J- J- James Harden. I'm not trying to do that. But my God, what hasn't he done for you? He did everything but gave you a massage and, and, and a pedicure his damn self. Helicopters rides and plane rides and money and the players that you wanted and the lack of accountability because nobody messed with you because Daryl Morey didn't let him mess with you. Dan Tony didn't even show clips of your negative plays when he was the coach of the, of the Houston Rockets. You wanted Dwight Howard, then you didn't want him. You wanted CP3, then you didn't want him. Wanted Melo, that didn't work out. Wanted Russell Westbrook, then you didn't want him. Come on, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, and here's this one other thing. Just a little pet peeve of mine. Especially when you're a black man. I'm not talking about sick days. I'm not talking about vacation days. But that better be one of the two reasons you skip and work. Or family emergency, something like that. It can't be because you pissed off, you got attitude, so you're not going to show up to work. That never ends well for us. It never ends well. Now, the complete antithesis of James Harden appears to be Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, who was formerly with the Milwaukee Bucks, who got shipped to Portland in a Damian Lillard trade, who's now been traded from the Portland Trailblazers to the Boston Celtics. There's really nothing to discuss here. I consider the Boston Celtics to be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Even with Damian Lillard, who was just introduced had his introductory press conference in Milwaukee, by the way. Even with Damian Lillard, my brother, the ultimate sniper, a closer, Giannis Antetokounmpo, as far as I'm concerned, he should be ecstatic to have Damian Lillard. But make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, Boston Celtics are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, if not the entire NBA. I think if the Boston Celtics, as constructed, were in an NBA final series against Denver, they'd beat them. If they were in the NBA series finals against the Lakers, they'd beat them. The Clippers, they'd beat them. The Phoenix Suns, it might be a little bit different. But I think when you look at Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, with Derek White, now Drew Holiday, Chris Porzingis, I would have liked them to have kept Robert Williams III. Make sure you buffer your front line as best as you possibly can. But you still got Al Horford there. Your starting five is Holiday, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, and Horford. It'll be an epic matchup, no doubt about it. But this is now a two-horse race. With Harden acting the way that he's acting, 
It wouldn't surprise me at all if Embiid ended up asking to be traded because he's sick of the mess in Philadelphia. And I wouldn't, I can honestly say I wouldn't be able to blame him. So where I'm coming from and how I'm looking at it, I'm here to tell you right now, Boston's the favorites. Because Drew Holiday is an all-world defensive player, one of the best catch-and-shoot three-pointers in the three-point shooters in the league. He's a champion. He's a future Hall of Famer. That's right. I said it. Drew Holiday is a future Hall of Famer. Not of the magic ilk, the Kobe ilk and people like that, but of a Sidney Moncrief type ilk. Yeah. Not a lot of pizzazz, not a lot of splash, just can flat out ball. That's how I look at Drew Holiday. So I just wanted to say that about the Boston Celtics. Them and the Bucks are now considered the top two betting favorites to win the NBA title ahead of the Nuggets, Suns, and Lakers, by the way. That's just the way that it is. Jason Tatum is a superstar in this league, and Jalen Brown just signed for over $300 million. I know he wet the bed in Game 7, but damn it, there have been Game 7s when he did play well. He played well in the NBA Finals the year before that. Jalen Brown could play. But you look at their size. Porzingis is a bit thin, but he's a shot blocker. But you look at everything else. Jalen Brown, 6'6". Jason Tatum, 6'9". Derek White, legit 6'4", 6'5". Drew Holiday is a legit 6'4", an elite defender. Al Horford, legitimate 6'9", 6'10". And by the way, you can't leave Al Horford open for a jump shot. You can't leave Kristaps Porzingis open for a jump shot. When you look at them, everybody on the squad can shoot. They can make free throws. They can score off the dribble. They can create their own shots. They can hit free throws and perimeter shots. I'm sorry. I have to look at Boston and give Boston an edge, albeit a slight one. I still have to give them the edge. Let me transition to football because I watched the Miami Dolphins drop 70 points on the Denver Broncos a week earlier. I saw that. And you knew that they had the potential to wet the bed because they were feeling themselves. You kind of knew that. Okay, fair enough. Here's what I would tell you. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins. And the Buffalo Bills shellacked them yesterday. Beat them down. Josh Allen was that dude yesterday. Stephon Diggs was that dude yesterday. But it was an overall collective effort. The real story is Miami and how it appeared to be a shell of itself from a week earlier. And Tua Tungvaloa, the quarterback for the team, is like, we'd be all right, we'd be all right. It's no problem, it's no problem. But it was a problem. Because they could get to him. Because it was difficult for him to see over the defensive line. It was difficult for him to find gaps where he could look and have clear sightings for the receivers because they weren't giving them enough time and comfort. 282 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, sacked four times. That was Tua Tungvaloa. This is my Super Bowl pick in the AFC, y'all. They ran into a brick wall in Buffalo yesterday. 48-20, to 20, got trounced. Miami Dolphins, first stumble offensively. Had been averaging over 43 points per game. Only scored 20. Had been averaging over 350 yards passing per game. Only had 282. Buffalo had everything going for it, including DeMar Hamlin's return. Because the first action since he collapsed on the field. 
on a football field on a Thursday night last year, his first action. God bless him and his family. It's good to see him out there. Good to see him ready to play. It's a beautiful sighting, but I'm going to get back to Miami. Back to the drawing board. There's no other way around it. I'll say this much to you, though. They weren't nearly as bad as my Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are awful offensively. Just awful. And Mike T, Coach Mike Thomas, got to do something. He talked about changes going to be made. It's not something they're going to publicize, but let me tell you what should be publicized. Matt Canada should no longer be the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's arrived three years ago. Do y'all know that in 2021, when he arrived as the, and he became the Steelers' offensive coordinator, do you know that the, that the Steelers have zero 400-yard offensive games? Zero! Nothing! Absolutely, positively nothing! Did you know that every single other NFL team has at least four games where they've had 400 yards? The Steelers are the only team in the entire National Football League without a total of 400 yards of offense in a game since 2021. They're the only team in the NFL going through that. Now, we know that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. So we ain't going to talk stupidness about how he needs to go. We look at Kenny Pickett. I see the quarterback. I'm not impressed. 12 interceptions, 11 touchdowns, and 16 games in the NFL. Why the hell would I be impressed in that? But there is nobody who I believe warrants my wrath more than Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. Steelers rank this season, 29th in total offense, 25th in scoring offense. Now, on the other side, C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick for the Houston Texans, this brother looks special. Set an, a record for most pass attempts without an interception to start his NFL career. The brother is gifted, y'all. He's special. Out of Ohio State, balling. He just got it going on. And D'Amico Ryans, the head coach for the Houston Texans, that's another star on the rise. Because he just seems to have the pulse of his team and knowing what they're doing. And they went and they beat the Steelers' ass Sunday afternoon. Beat their ass. I'm trying to keep my composure, but I remember the days of Steel Curtain, Mean Joe Green, L.C. Greenwood, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, all these brothers. Where are they? I remember offensively Terry Bradshaw with Lynn Swan and John Stallworth with Franco Harris and Rocky Bly in the backfield. What happened to those days? I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's not a good feeling. It really, really, really isn't. Somehow, someway, they're going to have to do something. And I think the first order of business is to fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. He's got no business. He's got no business coordinating an offense on the NFL level. He hasn't earned it, doesn't deserve it. And they need, as my man Shannon Sharp would say, don't be a slave to loyalty. Don't be a slave to loyalty. Don't be loyal to the point where you're keeping people around that are not productive. And that is what 
Mike Tomlin is going to have to do. Otherwise, it's going to cost him. Who knows? Who knows? It's just disgusting. It was an ugly performance, to say the least. And speaking of disgusting, let's get to the Cowboys fans. It brings me no joy to tell you that the Cowboys absolutely destroyed the New England Patriots yesterday. But ladies and gentlemen, what do you want, a cookie? They've beaten the Giants, the Jets, and the New England Patriots this year. And they lost the game to Arizona. What do you want me to write, write, you know, make a cookie for you? I'm supposed to be excited about the Cowboys? I'm supposed to be excited about the fact that their defense does everything? Do you know that the four TDs that Dak Prescott has, has thrown for the Cowboys this season, it's matched as many touchdowns as the defense and the special teams have scored for Dallas. He ain't standing out. He ain't doing anything special. Three points allowed, two touchdowns, two interceptions, one fumble recovery, two sacks. That was the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. And we know what the real problem is. Bill Belichick's the real problem. Last year, you impeded the growth and development of Mac Jones for a full year by having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as his offensive coordinators. And now here we are. 38-3 Cowboys beat the New England Patriots yesterday. It was the worst loss of Bill Belichick's coaching career in New England. Worse. Maybe you should have kept Tom Brady. Maybe you should have kissed the ring. Maybe you should have conjoled him to stay a little bit longer. Bill Belichick didn't want to do that. And that's what it is. Ultimately, he benched Mac Jones yesterday for Billy Sappy in the second half. Because Mac Jones had three turnovers, two returned for touchdowns, by the way. Fumble recovery and a pick six. Now I sit up there and I listen to y'all talk and all that other stuff. But you do know I'm going to have the last laugh, right? Because the Cowboys play the Niners this Sunday night. Good luck with that. (laughs) Good luck with that. Let me move on real quick to Canelo Alvarez. Super middleweight champion of the world. Canelo Alvarez fought undisputed super welterweight champion of the world. Jamel Charlo won the fight by decision Saturday night. That's what Canelo did. And um, Charlo's taking a lot of heat for it. Because a lot of people thought he was a bit timid. He was a bit shy. He was scared to take chances, et cetera, et cetera. They felt the fight was relatively boring because of that. Because Charlo didn't really try to do anything. This is what they said. And because that was the case, it is what it is. Even Terrence Crawford, who just beat Errol Spence Jr. handily this past July 29th. Terrence Crawford weighed in on the possibility of a fight with Charlo after the loss. And look at what Terrence Crawford said via his tweet. Check this out. Okay, y'all, I'm over it. Twin Charlo, he's no longer on my hit list. He went out there and laid down and let Canelo spank him like he was his daddy with no type of resistance. That's what he said. Damn. I feel bad for Charlo. Because, first of all, I thought he fought a brilliant fight defensively. I thought his defense was really, really, really good. I really feel that way. Offensively, he had nothing. And this is what I want y'all to understand. What the hell is somebody supposed to do? I want somebody to tell me this. Okay? Because we're going to test knowledge here. What the hell are you supposed to do when you hit someone and they keep coming? 
Canelo from the second round on was running around like this, charging the ring, trying to cut off the ring and what have you, because he was not worried about Charlo's power. Y'all act like Charlo didn't throw a punch. That wasn't the problem. The problem was when he threw a punch, it didn't affect Canelo. And so because it didn't affect Canelo, Canelo kept coming. And then Charlo got worried that if I throw something, he catches me instead of me catching him. And I know he can hurt me because I'm two weight divisions smaller. See, we're trying to act like Charlo went out there as a super welterweight and fought like this. No, he moved up two weight classes. He wanted to dare to be great. But then when he stepped in the ring with this monster and he realized that he couldn't hurt him, you damn right he was trying to survive. Who the hell wants to get knocked out? Come on, man. Stop acting like we don't know. This ain't the days where Frazier goes into the ring against Foreman. And Frazier was knocking trunks out with that left hook. But when he went up against Foreman, Foreman beat him to a pulp. God rest Joe Frazier's soul, by the way. It got to a point where Frazier turned around and tried to run. And Foreman punched him in the back of the head. My daddy, Ashley Basil Smith, passed away in 2018. God rest his soul. Until the day he died, in August of 2018, it was the funniest moment of my father's life watching sports. There is nothing that made him laugh harder or longer than when Frazier got knocked out by Foreman and Foreman punched him in the back of the head. Nothing. We saw a guy like William Joppy years ago try to go into the ring and, and, and attack, you know, Felix Trinidad. Felix Trinidad walked through him. Almost knocked him out in the first round. He was holding on for dear life. Beat him to a pulp. What do you want him to do? To me, the kind of fight Charlo fought was the kind of fight Ryan Garcia should have fought against Javante Davis. Protect yourself defensively. Be adroit defensively. Block those shots, the body shots, the head shots, even though Charlo got caught with one that ultimately put him to one knee. And I get where Terrence Crawford's coming from, but Terrence Crawford, where you going, bro? You going to fight this kid, Ennis, who's special, by the way. Because if you ain't going to fight him, who you got? You want a rematch with Errol Spence? Most of us don't want to see that. Now, maybe it was because of the weight. And maybe Errol Spence Jr. was weak. And maybe he wasn't trained. A pro- I don't know. But I do know this. Errol Spence got destroyed in that fight. So much so, none of us want to see him back in the ring with Terrence Crawford. Not too soon. Maybe you take a year off and then come back and work your way to the 154-160 division and Terrence Crawford be there and y'all want to meet again. That's cool. That's cool. But you don't need to be going back in the ring with him this December. I know that much. Charlo should not be maligned for this fight. Not even by the great Terrence Crawford, who is great. And in my opinion, could beat Charlo. It would be an interesting fight because Terrence Crawford is great. But I think Charlo at 154 is great too. 
It's just that he went up two weight divisions, y'all. He couldn't hurt this boy Canelo. Come on, y'all. Y'all know better than that. And Terrence Crawford, you can't hold that against him. Now, if he fought like that against somebody at 154, you got a point. You got a point. No doubt about it. But it was Canelo, man. And once you hit him and you saw you couldn't hurt him and he wasn't going anywhere, look, what you supposed to do? To me, rather than everybody looking at Charlo, what we should be looking at is Canelo. What you fighting somebody two weight classes smaller than you for? When David Benavidez waiting there for you, starving for the opportunity to get you. I ain't never got on Canelo for not fighting better BF at the light heavyweight spot. I know that man is just, he's something, he's too big, he's something else. But Canelo should have been in the ring with David Benavidez. I promise you, David Benavidez would have given you, would have given you a different challenge than the smaller Charlo. Because the bigger Charlo ain't ready. Got to handle his personal business. I'm just saying, y'all, come on, y'all. We got to be a bit more reasonable here. I move up two damn weight classes to fight somebody, and I hit the damn dude, and he just continues to stalk me. I'm going to be like, oh, shit. I got to backpedal. I got to box. I got to move. I got to make sure I don't get taken out of here. That is not an unreasonable thing to expect. What did you want him to do? Beat Tommy the Hitman Hearns against Hagler? I'm swinging. I'm throwing blows. Yeah! And Hagler keeps coming. Tommy Hearns won that first round, but he lost the fight because his legs were gone then. And this was Hagler we're talking about. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, God rest his soul, who took him out in the third. He had no legs. What the hell is Charlo supposed to do? Come on, Terrence Crawford. I'd love to see that fight. What we can't do is hold against him a performance against Canelo. Because Canelo is that dude. And you can't be a smaller dude incapable of hurting him and think he's supposed to stand there and be a lion and just attack, attack, attack. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. This is boxing. You can't, you can't do that to Charlo. That's not fair. 888-SAS-5303 is the number of callers. 888-727-5303. Your phone call's coming, out, coming up soon, but not before I address my colleague, Mr. Dan Lebertard. He had some comments about me um, last week sometime. And obviously, I've been out of pocket. I've had a lot to do. And so because of that, um, I haven't had time to address it. But I wanted to address it. It's important that I address it. It's only right. So I'll do just that. Dan Lebertard had something to say about myself and Skip Bayless. I have a lot to say in response. So stick around. Don't touch that dial. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? 
Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith's show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least. Uh, the number to call up as always is 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Again, that is the number to call right in to the show. I want to transition from some of the sports topics to get into Mr. Dan Levitard. Um, Dan Levitard on his show, the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts. Um, I think it was about a week ago or so. Um, remember I had a few weeks back, we had Dan Levitard on this show, uh, in an effort to clear the air between he and I on some disagreements we had had. Um, it was a great, great, great conversation. Um, no doubt about it. Um, no regrets. He's a friend. He always will be. Um, but he doesn't mind stirring things up. And, and to his credit, he's honest. You know, when he talks about some of these things, people do like to see it. People do click on to hear what, you know, he has to say about folks in the business and particular shows and what have you. And the same applies to me and various others, uh, which is why some of the times I don't even bother comment on some of the asinine BS that I've seen said about me. Um, but this is not one of those times. This is not one of those things. And certainly this is not one of the people that I'm talking about when I just alluded to that. Dan Levitard goes on his show the other day and he decides that he wants to say, now his word is performative when he's talking about me. I'll use the word provocative when I'm talking about him. He wanted to give some provocative commentary talking about myself and my former partner on first take, Mr. Skip Bayless. Listen to what Dan Levitard had to say about Skip Bayless and myself on his show with his cohorts the other day. Take a look. I talk about this stuff probably too much, but while people complain that I talk about it too much, also in numbers, it shows that every time I talk about any of this stuff, there are a whole lot of people interested in the dynamics of our interest industry, more so than most of the subjects that I tackle. It really does pop on YouTube and on social videos. And I think that's how people, because people are at work when these shows air, for the most part, um, the people that aren't at work, <laughs> you can see how they're marketed directly too. But uh, it, it does huge traffic. People consume these debate shows almost exclusively via social media clips. Uh, not just that, though, because I do think some of this is changing. And as you've heard me talk about the aging of our industry leaders, Skip Bayless was the godfather at ESPN of taking the show that was critically the worst, the most embarrassing show, and turning it into something that now represents their flagship. Stephen A. outgrew him and it now runs ESPN, makes that show in his name and likeness. And when Mike says exclusively by social media, uh-uh-uh. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, they, they have uh, 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 uh. monster TV Stephen numbers. Stephen A. Smith has increased their numbers. They used to have numbers like highly questionable, 400 grand. Great number for two hours in morning television, but not a great number overall. It's 400 grand. Right. But now it's double that as other things shrink. Okay. And I want to talk about the war at the top of this industry between Skip Bayless and his protege. Because if you think Woj and Shams have a rivalry, Stephen A. Smith wants to end Skip Bayless's career. Jesus, Dan. 
Good Lord have mercy. You know, I try not to um, engage in some of this stuff because you see, and certainly I'm not necessarily talking about Dan Levitard with this, but um, <clears throat> I try to avoid it because you can see as clear as day that some people are saying some asinine bullshit just to get a reaction. And if it's from, from me, when they're talking about me, the better. I guess that leads to more clicks, more uh, monetary value over YouTube and stuff like that. But that's not what I'm thinking about when it comes to Dan Lebertard saying what he said. It's just that it just warrants correction and it just warrants being addressed because it was a bit extreme. First of all, protege, <clears throat> I appreciate the fact that Skip Bayless is the one that brought me on the first take. But when you use the word protege, I want to make sure because you know how literal Dan Levitar can be with his brilliant self. He has to be literal. So he used the word protege. And the definition of a protege is one who is protected or trained, whose career is furthered by a person of experience, prominence, or influence. That last part, I guess that would make me a protege of Skip Bayless because there is no question that my career took on another dimension once I landed on first take. And had I not, had it not been for Skip, I would not have been on first day. But that brings me to the second point and the bigger point, which is why I wanted to address. I have never been, I am not, nor will I ever be at war with Skip Bayless. That will not happen. Trying to be number one is an entirely different agenda than trying to end somebody's career. I hope and pray that Skip Bayless is on TV doing what he loves to do and talking sports for as long as he wants to do it. Do I want to beat him? Yes. I want to beat anybody I'm going up against. That includes you, Dan. I'm doing a podcast. Numbers are climbing, et cetera, et cetera. It's really nice. I want to make a good living doing it. I want to be successful doing it. True. But you know what my success is? You know what I define as success? Being more successful than people who do what I do. If I'm less successful than them, I'm not winning. And if I'm not winning, that's not success. It just amazes me some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouth. It amazes me. I'm not built that way. I don't want to be up here and nobody wins. I want a lot of people to win, practically everybody to win. I just want to be on top because that's what competition is. I'm not a guy that wants to be a to be to be a Super Bowl champion and you in the gutter and can't even get to the playoffs. Not if you one of my boys. I'm not a guy that wants to win an NBA championship, but I want you in the lottery. I'm not a guy that wants to make it to the major leagues and I want you in the minor leagues. 
Wanting to be number one is what we're supposed to be here for. See, this is the part that people don't tell y'all out there. And, and damn it, listen to me. Because I'm speaking from a position of knowledge. I happen to know because I'm in the industry. All of these people that want to bitch, whine, and moan and complain about what's going on, speculating as if they know when they don't. But here's the crime. They could easily know because they're connected enough to make a phone call or two to find out. But they don't want to. They don't want to because they want to spew that bullshit. But that's not what it's about. Do you remember when Pat McAfee signed with ESPN? And you remember all that noise that was out there? Well, what was transpiring and what he was purportedly and reportedly getting paid and all of that stuff? Did you see the Stephen A. Smith show then? Did you see the smile on my face? Because all I was thinking about was, wait until it's my turn. I'm not apologizing for that. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. But if I'm aiming to be the best, and there are rewards like that out there to achieve when you are the best, then you pursue greatness to reap the reward. You go to school to get an education. You get an education so you can get a job or a career. You get a job or a career so you can get paid. That doesn't mean you're trying to destroy anybody. It means you're trying to win. And we've been winning. We were winning when Skip and I were there. We were winning when Skip was gone. And we're winning now. And the only beauty that I can take from it is that when it's all said and done, because everything comes to an end and my time will come and it'll be somebody else's time. Nobody can take away the decade or the decade plus of success that I've had. That's it. But my definition of success is not reading some story or hearing that, guess what? Skip Bayless's career is over. And oh, by the way, Keyshawn Johnson's my brother. We've been tight for two decades. We know how far me and Michael Irving go back. And I've been real cool with Richard Sherman for years. I'm not rooting against them. I want them to be successful. Just like Shannon Sharp came on and said a few weeks ago, he wants them to be successful. He just wants to be better. Nate Burleson was on NFL NFL's morning show. Love Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Love him. I want it to be better. Very happy for successful CBS. Very happy for Michael Strahan. But if they had a debate show that came on at 10 o'clock in the morning when I was on, I would be trying to beat them. I don't want them to fail. 
I don't want them to, to, to lose their jobs. I don't want them to get canceled. I just want to be number one. That's all. Dan Levitard and I have been, a friend, been friends for years. And this is not a slight against, none of what I'm saying is a slight against him. He's wrong for saying what he said. I'm not trying to ruin Skip Bayless's career. I'm trying to win. If he's the competition, fine. If somebody else was there, I'd be trying to beat them the same way. Because I'm going to be competitive. Now, I know it didn't look that way with that damn first pitch that I threw it. I was scared I was going to bust my ass, y'all. I wasn't busting my ass on national television. I made a business decision. I ain't give a damn about the throw one. Once I saw I was, it was slippery and I was going to bust my ass, I, was, I, I wasn't taking that chance. I'm sorry. I, 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 that's just it. They looked that competitive. I own that. Choke job on my part. But be clear. When I go about doing my job every day, that's how I roll. Simple. I see people engaging in conjecture, whatever. Read Straight Shooter. I tell my story. It's in the damn book. Hell, a couple of weeks ago, I read excerpts to you from the book. I make it very clear where I stand and where I'm coming from. All of this speculation is people trying to get clicks from y'all. Dan Levitar was not doing that. He's deducing something. That's not for clicks. He believes it. I have no doubt he's wrong. I want Skip Bayless in this industry as long as Skip Bayless wants to be in this industry. Dan doesn't. Now, if Dan was on at the same time as Skip Bayless, and I'm not sure he is, I think he is, and, and somebody said Dan Levitar wants to ruin Skip's career or end Skip's career, I'd believe that. With some of the things he said about Skip. That's not me. I don't roll like that. I don't believe that success has to come at the expense of other people's misery. Everybody can't have the same. Everybody can't get the same. But you can still get yours if you're good enough. I just choose to aspire to be number one at all times in anything that I choose to partake of as a profession. That's me. If I was doing late night, if Disney had come to me and they said, Stephen A., you know what? We want you to succeed Jimmy Kimmel, which would have been a dream come true. First of all, I've been nervous as hell because Jimmy Kimmel is phenomenal and I don't know if I could be as good as he is on an everyday, every night basis. But more importantly than anything else, you know what the first thing I'd be trying to do? Who's number one? Whether it's Jimmy Fallon or Stephen Gobert, I'm coming for them. If I was hosting Jimmy Kimmel's show and, and that's what I was doing. Whatever's there, I'm competing with. Whatever I'm at, who's my competition? I'm trying to usurp them. That's what winners do. And the problem that we have going on in this industry right now is we got too many goddamn people whining and moaning about the business and the business climate and all of this other stuff. And what they've avoided embracing is competition. 
Competition is what makes the world go round. Competing, establishing yourself as those dudes, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's not about ruining anybody's career. Ending their careers. It's about you establishing yourself as number one. That's what I do. I haven't always succeeded. I have failed an awful lot in life. That's why I appreciate the success that much more when I earn it. Ain't about taking anybody out. I hope Skip Bayless and FS1 live for years to come. That's my man. We haven't talked much in quite a while. Who knows when we'll talk again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't escape or negate what he did for me. Gonna always have love for him. Gonna always try to beat him. And in terms of taking Shannon Sharp, I did no such thing. Shannon Sharp departed from FS1. He told you this story. Go back to my archives and watch the interview. When he was gone and on the open market, that's when I came in. I didn't talk to him beforehand and try to coax him to come in the first take or anything like that. That never happened. When you let him go, I said I could use him. We cover sports. It happens every day. Coaches, executives, damn sure players. Hell, I know people in PR that changed teams this year in the NBA. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Moving on to another former ESPN colleague, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, I remember. I think head coach is Trent Dilfer. He's made news, and it is not for the right reasons, y'all. This man lost his damn mind on the sidelines this Saturday. I mean, just look at this. I mean, this was wild. It really, really was. Head coach at UAB. Going off, we can't even repeat stuff that he was saying, purportedly, reportedly. Now, you remember, Trent was an NFL analyst at ESPN before coaching at a private high school in Tennessee. I think his record was 44 and 10. He went back to back state titles. Um, he once had an incident with a player, by the way, when coaching that high school team. This is him putting his hands on a player, shoved him, told him to stand over there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, screaming at the player, et cetera, was not a good look. Parents didn't like that. A lot of people didn't like that. We get that. Here's what I'm going to tell Trent Dilfer. On a rare occasion that I had the pleasure of working with him at ESPN, highly knowledgeable about football, obviously. He's a Super Bowl champion quarterback, Baltimore Ravens, year 2000. Um, obviously, the defense won that championship, but damn it, he was starting quarterback for the team. Went 7-1 as a starter. Give him credit where credit is due. Um, Trent Dilfer, if you're listening. Remember what happened to Bobby Knight, former basketball coach? Indiana University. Remember the tirades he would go on 
Remember that? Remember how unceremoniously his career ended? So you might want to think about that. I'm not here to disrespect Trent Dilfer or anything like that. He's a former colleague. I respect him. Um, I'm just saying that's a very bad look, my brother. You can't do that. You can't be yelling at assistant coaches like that. You can't be engaging in those kind of histrionics on the sideline in public view. You can't be talking to men like they're less than that. You can't be disrespecting people in public like that. You certainly don't need to be putting your hands on high school students the way that you were seen doing. I have no doubt that Trent Dilfer has aspirations for being the head coach of the big time football program. That's not going to happen. Not with videos like that out about you. Never mind the fact that if this were a brother, Lord knows what we'd be saying about him. He'd probably already be inserted into an anger management class. Either way you slice it, you can't do that, Trent Dilfer. You just can't do that. You got to be better than that, bro. Seriously. You really, really got to calm down. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show over YouTube. Back with some other miscellaneous topics and your calls live in a minute. Don't touch that dial. It's Stephen A. in the house. Holla at your boy. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Reminder, as always, to call into the show. All you need to do is dial 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. That's 888-727-5303. But before I get to the phone calls, a couple of things. Number one, did anybody see Jimmy Butler? Because this brother didn't disappoint when he showed up to the Miami Heat's media day today. I mean, did you see this? His words, emo. I don't know what the hell an emo is, to be honest with you. I don't pay attention to that stuff, but this is what Jimmy Butler, look at this right here. I, I, I mean, I'm looking at him right now. I'm like, good Lord have mercy. What, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? I know he's going through a lot right now. He wanted Damian Lillard. They didn't get Damian Lillard. Same Miami Heat team. You lost Gabe Vincent in the offseason. Lost Max Struess in the offseason. You didn't acquire Damian Lillard. I mean, damn. There's a lot going on with Miami right now. It doesn't seem to be the same situation. It seems to be a bit tough. I get it. I get it. I get it. But this hairdo, what's going on? I, I don't even know what to say. You remember his hair from last year's media day, right? Do y'all remember that? They used this image as his league headshot last year. So the emo here could be this year's look all season long. Now, if you look at the emo look now, you know, I certainly know that Jimmy Butler doesn't roll this way. But, you know, it's nobody's business. No matter, you know, I'm live and let live. That's how I roll. I'm liberal in that regard. But it's not that. Jimmy Butler looked like that dude from P-Valley. 
I don't know his name or whatever the case may be, but hey, look, he's going through some things right now. See what happens when you don't get a superstar like Damian Lillard? So if I lost my damn mind and they put me in that kind of look, you'd understand why now, because I prayed for Damian Lillard to come to the Garden in New York City for the Knicks, and that didn't happen. I'm not feeling that at all. Eyebrows pierced, lip pierced, all that, and the mascara. <sighs> you know, sometimes America, we got issues. We just got issues. Other facts to note. He also got new piercings, like I said. Some people calling him Ball Out Boy for emo band, Fall Out Boy, whatever the, head the hell that is. Some people saying he looks like Andre 3000. Of course, you saw the picture to compare the two to Hey Yeah. The hey, your video. All right. I, yeah, I got it. I got it. I understand. I'm just not feeling it. Let me move on to um, Mr. Uh, Donald Trump, former president of the United States, who, by the way, showed up in court in New York eh, for one of those charges, you know, um, 91 counts against him, four different charges. Uh, but nevertheless, that's not why he made news. Everybody's been talking about Taylor Swift. We all know this. She showed up to the Jets game last night. And I'm going to say this again. That does not look casual. Remember the movie Miami Vice with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx? Damn good movie. Great movie. And you remember when the mobster lost his drugs? Remember that? Remember when that happened? Lost his drugs. And he told the, the kingpin, he said, I, I lost my load. I lost my load. He said, but I beg of you. To allow me to show you this. And he opened his laptop computer and he showed it to the big boss. And the big boss walked over there and looked. And he whispered in his ear, this is not casual. And it was of Colin Farrell and his woman dancing in the club. That's what that was about. Because it wasn't casual. So I say all of that to you to say, Taylor Swift, when she's at those games first in Kansas City and then after that in New York and MetLife, you know, hugging mama and stuff, hanging out, cheering on Travis Kelsey as hard as she's been doing, bringing Ryan Reynolds with her along with others. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying it don't look casual, you know, so y'all could, you know, it's their business. I'm just letting you know, it don't look casual. Okay. And then, you know, Travis Kelsey's that dude. Most women that 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 see and get around Travis Kelsey, they they like him. Give the brothers props. Give it where it's due, you know. But everybody's talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So of course Donald Trump had to weigh in too. So he tweets out, I wish the best for both of them. I hope they enjoy their life, maybe together, maybe not. Most likely not. Everybody like, damn, damn, damn. That's funny. That's typical Donald Trump to me. Publicity doesn't have to campaign. Somehow, some way, he's a magnet for publicity. He's a master at all of that stuff. By the way, um, you got to keep this in mind, too. It's actually reasonable that he said that. Why would he feel that way? He's been married three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. Ivana Trump, Marla Maples, and of course, now Melania. So maybe together, maybe not. Most likely not. This is what he said. You know, maybe he's comparing Taylor Swift to Travis Kelsey's ex, Kayla Nicole. If that was his reason for saying that, I'll just say I understand. 
I understand. Anyway, Taylor Swift was in the Kelsey box again at the Jets game on Sunday night. She was with Donna Kelsey, uh, the mama, Brittany Mahomes, uh, obviously Patrick Mahomes' wife, Ryan, the great Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Hugh Jackman as well. They were all together. Chill now, had a good time. Major props to all of them, okay? Want to switch before I get to the calls real quick to the Golden Bachelor. Now, what the hell would Stephen A. be talking about the Golden Bachelor for? Few of the young women who work on this show tried to convince me to watch the damn Golden Bachelor. So I actually watched it for a few minutes, right? It debuted on ABC. This is what he said. I'd love it if I found a partner who was high energy, that they enjoy sports, someone that maybe plays pickleball, someone that maybe plays golf. And I'm sitting there going like this. This is a younger generation. It's linear television. And I know that audience is usually older, 50 and older. But everybody's watching. Streaming is elevating every day. More and more that younger crowd, blah, 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 blah. I said, come on now. Who's going to watch this? Who's going to watch this? I'll be damned. The Golden Bachelor had 4.36 million viewers up 45% from the most recent premiere of The Bachelor. The Golden Bachelor got more viewers than The Bachelor. I mean, damn. He's 72 years old from Indiana. He was actually encouraged to apply to be The Bachelor by his two daughters. Their name is Angie and Jenny, according to my research. The debut of The Golden Bachelor stands as the most watched and highest rated program across Thursday night programming, even beating the People's Choice Country Awards. I mean, damn. Damn. 72 years old and got 4.36 million viewers. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I, I really don't know what to say. And look at these women. Look at Sandra, retired executive assistant. Look at Peggy, 69. Sandra was 72. Look at these women. Look at Nancy. I mean, uh, oh, damn. Look at Marina. Look at these candidates. Look at Leslie. Go ahead, Leslie. Fitness instructor. Leslie, you go, girl. Look at Joan. Private school administrator. Look at Natasha. I mean, midlife speak. Oh, Lord. No, no, no. Go back to Natasha. Let's go back to Natasha. Let's go back to Natasha. Now. Look at that. 60. 60. Ladies and gentlemen, we got 30 year olds out here ain't looking like that. We got 30 year olds out here ain't looking like that. And let me tell you something right now. We should be supportive of this. You know why? Because Father Time and Mother Nature creeping up on all of us. We ain't getting no younger. This ain't Mork and Mindy from the 70s or 80s where he got younger as, he, as, as time went by. No, we get older. That 72-year-old man from Indiana whose two daughters stepped up and be like, Dad, Dad, Dad. They basically saying, Dad, you fly. Now, I can assure you, my daughters wouldn't do that for me. They'd be like, look, Dad, you, you're not all that. They, they'd be the first to say, you ain't all that. Oh, God. People come up to me. Women walk up to me on the street. Oh, oh this, these are my daughters. They like, they like Shanae in, in the show Martin. <laughs> Why? I mean, 
What do they want from you? I mean, please. And who are you? That's my daughters. But Angie and Jenny, they looking out for Pops like that. They're like, you, you got it going on, Pops. Go ahead. Could you imagine how they feel about him now? Four million viewers. Four million viewers. I mean, damn. Pops got it going on, bro. You're an inspiration to all of us. Evidently, time doesn't end as we get older. Days can actually get brighter. You go, my brother. You go, my brother. No doubt. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. Let's get to the calls, man. Let's get to the calls. Let's go to Graham in Boston, Massachusetts. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Graham? How are you? I'm good. How are you, Stephen? Talk to me, my man. Talk to me. Um, let's talk Russell Westbrook. I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. Your brother, I know it ain't football. Your brother, you um, know you don't have all day, right? Go ahead and make your point. Go ahead. My fault. How do you feel about Russell Westbrook coming into the season? I feel very good about him. I think he's on the right team. I thought he did a hell of a job with the Los Angeles Clippers. Obviously, his time with the Lakers wasn't that great. His time with Houston certainly was not that great. Um, but I think, that Russell, I, think, I think that Russell Westbrook is the perfect fit for the Clippers because he's an energizer bunny. He's that guy yep. that, you know, that, that 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 brings, you know, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George periodically getting hurt or in Kawhi Leonard's case, periodically being hurt. Um, yep. You need somebody like a Russell Westbrook being that spark plug. I love him with the Los Angeles Clippers, and I love the fact that they made it a priority to resign him. I love to hear that because you were not you were not a fan when he was on the Lakers. You were kind of I was, disrespectful no, towards no, no, him. Tom, I that's not true. I wasn't disrespectful. I was factual. You had people nah. in the stands. Yes, I was. You and I didn't. I listen. I didn't call him West. Brick. All right, I got you. I didn't call him West Brick or anything like that. I said, Joe, he wasn't shooting the ball well. Yo, he's not the ideal point guard. Yo, you got LeBron James there. The ball needs to be in his hands, especially when he's struggling shooting the basketball from the perimeter. I understand that you got a lot of sensitive cats out here, but what I would say to you, Graham, is you have to assist people like me and others and stop falling for that okey-doke and getting caught up in all of that sensitive nonsense. Now, if you're attacking somebody personally, there ain't no room for that. And I get that. No. But we're talking about the game of basketball. So let's talk about a player that you may not like or that you don't think is good. Do you talk about him like he can ball? Do you talk about him like he can play? Or do you tell the truth? I tell the truth. But, but, there's always a but. Russell Westbrook was one of four players in the league putting up 18, 7, and stop, 7. Stop right there. Stop the right league. there. Stop right there. Come on. Stop right there. You have to measure them to the standard they're coming from. What I'm trying to say to you, you, let me finish. What I'm trying to say to you is that if you're averaging 10 or 12 points a game and that's what you do, that's what you do. But when you are one of the, the most, arguably the most athletic point guard in the history of basketball, who is a perennial all-star, who is an absolute surefire first ballot future Hall of Famer, that comes with expectations. And so when you arrive, we're looking at you and we're saying these are the expectations. And if you don't live up to those expectations, we have an obligation to call it. That doesn't mean we're disrespecting you. We're saying you used to be this and now you're not. And there's an adjustment that has to be made. And you know where the proof is, Graham? In the dollars. Where is it? He was making $47 million last year. What's he making now? Lakers shouldn't have brought him in for forty. No, 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 no. That's not what. And I what asked he's you. making no, no. is what do you he, want? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to answer? Do you want to answer my question or do you want to doubt Eight mil. Eight mil or three mil. Eight. There it is. Eight mil. There you go. Have a nice day. And he's.
Yano, you're live with Stephen A. What's going on, Yano? How are you doing? I'm good, Stephen A. How are you? Talk to me. What's up? So, Rodney Harrison last night, I don't know if you called his comments about Zach Wilson. But I did not. Them garbage. Okay, so he called him garbage. He was interviewing uh, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, Chris Jones said that uh, Zach Wilson was a special player, and Rodney Harrison thought that was uh, not the correct call. So okay. he said that Zach Wilson was garbage, and he's getting a lot of flack for it on Twitter today. A lot of people are saying that uh, Rodney Harrison should be ashamed of himself. I highly suggest you check out his comments, but I just want to let you know, I don't think it's any different from what you, Shannon, Skip, and all those guys do on a daily basis by calling a guy garbage. Mm -hmm. Because when it came to you and Kwame Brown and uh, Jamarcus Russell, you were very uh, open to calling them what they really are. So I just wanted your opinion on the, I guess, the backlash that well, Rodney Harrison is receiving from the public well, today. Well, first of all, first of all, here's what I would tell you. Rodney Harrison is a friend. I've known him for years. Um, I think he does an exceptional job on NBC Sports, and they're lucky to have him because I wish I had him on first take. I'll tell you that right now. Having said all of that, I would tell you that um, he shouldn't be receiving that kind of backlash. I would also tell you that people wouldn't be giving him that kind of backlash um, if Zach Wilson had played the way he had been playing prior to last night. Now, last night wasn't the greatest night for Rodney Harrison because Zach Wilson actually went out there and played some decent football, made some really good throws, came back from a 17-0 deficit, tied at 20-20, um, outscored them 20-6 to uh, pretty much after the first quarter. He played well, and he played in a fashion we hadn't seen him capable of playing. The only thing that I would say to you is that you can't just look at the people and the things that we say. You have to look at the platform in which it is said. When I said what I said about Kwame Brown, which, by the way, I regret because I didn't know it would be a meme 15 freaking years later, by the way. But I said <laughs> it, but I said it in a studio on SportsCenter. Um, right. I talk on first take. Um, I, you know, Shannon Sharp now talks on first take. If I were calling a game, if I was doing the pregame show, then I would harness my con my comments a little bit because the environment that you're in plays a role and it plays a factor. The things that you can do in a studio, the things that you can do on a cable morning show is entirely different than what you would do on location, on the field or in a studio on a Sunday night for network television programming. People who are in the business understand that. And so that's what I would tell you. There's a time and place for everything. If you watch my demeanor, You'll see me on first take. That's different than what I might be on for, on SportsCenter. It's a little bit different than what I might be when I was used to be on outside the lines or when I was on sports reporters on a Sunday morning. It's different than me on first take compared to what you'll see me if I'm on a Saturday morning with, you know, Michael Smirconish for CNN like I was a couple of weeks ago. Or when I was on Mark Levin's show on Life, Liberty and Levin last Sunday night or when I was on Hannity a couple of weeks ago or when I'm on MSNBC a month ago. The environment that you're in as a commentator, pundit, reporter, inside, etc., it's a little bit different because the tenor of the show is different. And that's what I think that if, if there was a mistake that Rodney Harrison made, it was saying that in that on that platform in that moment. That's what I would say to you, but nothing else. 
Good point. Thank you, Stephen A. Take and I, listen, I appreciate that. All right. But man. here's the thing. Go ahead, real quick. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I think that's a great point by you. The environment matters. But for people to say that uh, NBC should be ashamed of themselves. No, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're, 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 they're wrong. They're totally wrong. They're totally wrong. But they okay, just want atten- They just want attention. Appreciate the call, man. Thank that's you. True. Ronnie, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Ronnie? How are you? Hey, man, Stephen A., I got a question for you regarding my Los Angeles charges. Man. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm, oh, God. I'm pretty fed up. Yeah, you I'm should be. Up, you should be. Oh, my you God. You should be, right, man. So here's my thing. Yeah. Here's my thing. Brandon Staley, bum. Doesn't know what he's doing. Situational awareness is zero, if not negative. And I feel like my question to you comes from a couple years ago when they had Anthony Lynn in the building. They just won a playoff game like the year before with Phillip Rivers and the end of his career. They got Herbert coming in you got to think that an offensive coach is able to develop a young quarterback in a way different than a guy like Staley can. Mm -hmm. My question is, if they did not fire Lynn and bring in Staley, would the Chargers have had a better chance of competing in the playoffs than they do now? Like a better chance? I'm not not sure about that because I don't think Anthony Lynn did a great job. I'm hoping he gets another opportunity, but I don't think he did the greatest job. That's number one. Number two, personally speaking, I think the person that made the biggest mistake was Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton should have waited. He should have stayed at Fox and he should have waited until the Brandon Staley firing took place so he could have gotten the Chargers job because I think he would have been perfect to be the guy coaching Justin Herbert. Look at Russell Wilson. I know the Broncos are stinking up the joint before they beat the hapless Chicago Bears yesterday. I get that. The flip side to it, however, is look at Russell Wilson and how he's been playing. He's got nine touchdowns. He's second in the league in touchdown passes with nine. He's only got three turnovers, three interceptions. And when you look at Brandon Stanley, I'm just looking at this. First of all, the 27-point lead he blew to the Jaguars in the playoffs last year. How about that? How about week 18 of last season when it's a meaningless game and you choose to play your starters and Mike Williams ends up getting hurt and having to miss the playoff game against Jacksonville? How about that one? 2023 season, this week, week three versus Minnesota. Went for a fourth and one on his own 24-yard line. Damn near blew the damn game, but the defense came to his rescue and rescued him. And then, of course, we've got the situation with the Raiders. Brandon Staley has made an abundance of errors. As far as I'm concerned, he shouldn't be the head coach of the squad. He's lucky that he is. I think that they should have a better coach. I think he's in over his head. He's just not ready. And he's given he's being given a level of latitude that most coaches would not be given. That's my personal opinion about him. Exactly, Stephen. And that's a great point. But I would counter that with we're giving Staley all these opportunities for second chances, second chances. You mentioned all those things that he has completely messed up in his tenure. And it's a long list. And you mm-hmm. can keep going with that, too. That's right. My problem with this is I feel like they were completely unfair with how they treated Anthony Lynn versus how they treated Brandon Staley. That's and fair. I think it is a, a that's fair. A but, that, but, but, but what I'm saying to you, I get the stain on the NFL. Well, well, no, I think Anthony no, Lynn no. deserves another you're chance, going man. to you're going too far. Like it's not. Listen, at the end of the day, listen, look at what Houston did. They fired back-to-back black coaches after one year. Now, they hired a third one to D'Amico Ryans, who looks like a star. C.J. Stroud looks like a star. We get all of that. We understand it. Uh, We understand what happened to Anthony Lynn. In comparison to Brandon Staley, was unfair. But the fact of the matter is you had a lot of people who felt like Anthony Lynn wasn't the right guy for the job, and you're looking at Justin Herbert, and you want to make sure to maximize his potential to the best of your ability. So that was the situation right there. I think you're going too far with that, but I hear what you're saying because I'm not a fan of the job. I got to go. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Josh, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Josh? Talk to me. Hey, man, I want to talk about them Steelers, man, and Matt Canada. What, what's, your, uh, what's your opinion on that? He's got to go. He's got to go. He's a disaster. 
Um, yeah. Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the 29th team in total offense, 25th in scoring offense. And by the way, this interesting stat, I said this on first take on ESPN this morning, all right? Canada became the offensive coordinator in 2021, right? Do you know that since 2021, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh freaking Steelers, have zero 400-yard offensive games? Every other team... Every other team in the National Football League since that period has had at least four 400-yard offensive games. The Steelers are the only team in the NFL who has not had one. Mike Tomlin's got to get rid of Matt Canada. It's just that simple. Matt Canada's got to go. He's got to go. He does. I don't wish. I don't wish. I, I don't. Like- I don't wish unemployment. I want people to get their checks. I want everybody to get paid. I want. I don't want people to be having an inability to feed their family. I don't want that. But when you can't get the job done. You gotta get somebody who can. He's gotta go. Exactly. He's gotta go. Appreciate the and call. I feel like a lot of the blame gets put on Kenny Pickett, but you can't expect but, but, the yeah, quarterback to that's do great true. things in that. But system. but but he that's true. I, I'm gonna be a little patient with him, but I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett either. Especially when I see CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud out playing him the way that he he looks like a star in the making. Kenny Pickett don't look like that. Yeah, he that. balled out yesterday. That's right. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Juan in Harrisburg, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, Juan? How are you? Oh my God, Stephen A. Smith. Yes, this is me. Talk to me, baby. How you doing? Stephen A. Smith. How you doing, boss? I'm all right. You're live on the air. Go ahead, brother. Um, I just wanted to get on the phone and let you know uh, that um, your book, Straight Shooter. Okay. It, it definitely has. To, it definitely deserves to be a number one seller. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I again. Think it definitely deserves the right for the title as a, a number one seller, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I apologize that. if I sound a little, a little all over the place, but I'm like, I'm shocked to speak to you. Like, I'm one of your biggest fans. Thank you, man. I actually call, like I said, I appreciate your book. You're definitely a motivation for me, sir. You helped me out in more ways than you don't even know with fatherhood, manhood, understanding sports. I just wanted to take the time to let you know as a fan, I appreciate everything you do, Bob. Thank you, man. Much love, man. Everything. Much love and appreciation, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. It really means a lot to me. I, sincerely. Thank you so much, Juan. Take care of yourself, bro. And call anytime. Trey in Amarillo, Texas. You. You're live. What's going on, Trey? How are you, man? I'm good, man. How about you, man? I'm all right, man. Talk to me, bro. All right, man. So I'm an MJ fan through and through, through and through, you know. But if LeBron wins the 20th, is winning the ring this year. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he does. Mm-hmm. Would you call him to go in year twenty one? I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. I have LeBron James. That? I have LeBron James as the second best player of all time. I respect that. Me too. But I have him number man, two of all time. Six NBA Finals losses, a choke job against Dallas in 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 the finals in twenty eleven. Um, ever since then, he's been pretty close to flawless. Um, he's been phenomenal. Um, but two moments, two moments I hold it. I don't hold the first finals loss to San Antonio against them. I don't hold right. I don't hold the second finals loss against San Antonio against them because D Wade was hurt. Um, I certainly don't hold the loss to Golden State when they had Kevin Durant with Klay Thompson and, and Steph Curry against them. But there are two oh. moments that I hold against LeBron James. One was in the finals against Dallas, where I mean he was like me throwing on a damn Major League Baseball mound. I mean, it was a choke job. It's just that simple. He didn't, it, it, uh, no, no way around it. The other one was when he beats Boston in a game seven. 
And he's exuberant and excited. And then they ask him about going up against KD and Golden State. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I don't even want to think about that right now. Uh, I don't even want to bring that kind of stress on my life. I just want to enjoy this moment. It was like a concession speech before the finals even started. Now, in fairness to him, that game one was when he went out and dropped 51. Okay, dropped 51 against them. And J.R. Smith forgot the damn score. Okay. But the, but the point is, is that, again, these are moments. Jordan would never do that. He could see right. in a damn thing. And there, there, there's, a, there's a growth period that LeBron had to go through. Remember, the three moments. I should say the three moments I against them. How about the All-Star game, the exhibition, 2012? He's got the ball. Right. Kobe's guarding him. It's an exhibition game. It's All-Star. He could take Kobe one-on-one, and he turns the ball over because he's trying to throw it to Carmelo Anthony in the corner. And you saw Melo. D-Wade and Kobe all roll up on them like, what you doing? What you doing? What you pass the ball for? Because they knew that psychologically, as phenomenal and great as he was, his impediment was his psyche because he didn't have the confidence and the killer instinct inside of himself to embrace greatness the way he does now. What I'm saying to you is that D-Wade being a big brother to him, having to sit by his side for every damn press conference, okay, when his first year in Miami, uh, Pat Riley and D-Wade collaborating to show him the way of what it takes to be a champion. You had all of that going on, okay, along with those moments that I articulated for you. Jordan didn't have those luxuries. Right. And Jordan found a way anyway. That's the difference. And that is why I have Jordan number one and LeBron number two. Period. Right. I, I, okay, man. I, I have to agree with that. All and, right. Uh, I'm going to start doing that. But anyways, right. man, I love you, man. Appreciate you're it, man. You're the, you're the GOAT. Thanks the a goat. lot, man. I appreciate you calling anytime, Trey. All the best to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. That's it for today's show. I appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. Remember, as always, if you want to talk to me right here, feel free to call into the Stephen A. Smith Show, 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. I'm about to get on out of here, okay? Thanks for watching another episode. You can catch me at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube and click the bell to get notified about all of our new content. And be sure to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestseller, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Until next time, everybody. Peace and love. Stephen A. Signing off. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.